Okay, y'all, welcome back to the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast, episode nine. I am Steph for your host. I am so very excited to have a very special guest today, someone whose blog I have read since I moved to Seattle, one of the Seattle OGs on social media for food, um, Miss Ann Peavy, the Seattle Maven. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me, Steph. How long ago was that that you moved to Seattle? I was trying to think this morning, like, when did we first meet? (laughs) It was 2013 is when I moved. And I know we probably didn't meet for at least a year or two. But I remember when I moved there, it was like your blog and like Megan Hill and like Susie Pratt were doing Eater, you know, and that was like, you guys were like my my Seattle go-tos. You were, I looked at your Twitter every day. I, I, I had looked up to your blog when I made my blog. Um, just so cool to have you on the podcast now. What? Almost eight years later. Right. You were totally in my demographic for that too. Cause that, you know, along with focusing on people that were coming into Seattle, looking for things to see and do. I also really wanted to hit on the newcomers in Seattle. And so it's beautiful to hear that. It's just music to my ears. Well, and you definitely, you definitely did. And, um, we're we're gonna jump into Anne's story. Want to hear all about how you like you launched your blog. You also worked for Visit Seattle for many years. I think you kind of helped push them into like the social media blogging influencer world. Um, I think we can both agree, and and you've seen this from really two perspectives that uh, destination marketing has changed so much in the past. Let's just say ten years. Oh yeah. it's such a circuitous ride when I look back and think how do I how did I get from where I was 15 years ago to where I am today just as far as social media and blogging and travel and all of that you know a lot of people didn't know I was actually a teacher an elementary school teacher and a side hustle in the summer I had a friend who was also a teacher with a friend of course who had a tour company in Seattle and she's like hey my friend Dan's looking for people to drive and do tours of the city. And I'm like, I've always loved Seattle. I love the history. I was into food at that point already. And I'm like, I bet I could be a tour guide. Like, I'm going to check this out. And so I did that for that first summer. My kids were old enough that they were good for the summer doing their own thing. And I got out and I'm driving this. I had to get a CDL, a commercial driver's license to do it. This little mini coach of like 20 passengers. And I would spend three hours covering 50 miles of the city talking about the food, the neighborhoods, the people, the climate, the culture, like everything that I love. So to me, it was the best summer job in the world because I was just I was just being their friends when they were away from their friends. So that's and so what like what year is that about? Anne? And this is this doesn't have anything to do with Visit Seattle. This is pre Not at all. This was pre Visit Seattle. So that was it must have been 2000. And, 12, I want to say, right about in there, 2011, maybe. And that fall, I ended up driving the coach with a group of concierge from hotels in Seattle. And I had sort of known them a little bit because as I'd pick up passengers for the tours, you know, I'd pop by their desk and say hi as I was grabbing their guests. But um, I didn't really understand exactly what a concierge was at that point. You know, I kind of knew, but I didn't know. And so at the end of one of my tours, there was a gal on board 
And I always was asking people like, hey, let me know where you want to get off. If it's like the market or the waterfront, somewhere that we've been on the tour. And this gal said, just wait till the very end and I'm going to get off then. I'm like, okay, that's fine. We stopped in front of our hotel and she's like, I just have to tell you, like I'm a meeting planner. I live in Chicago. I come to Seattle a lot. Um, you really know this city. You should be a concierge. And I'm like, well, what is that exactly? And she's kind of telling me they do what you do, but they do it from a desk. So to me, I was thinking, okay, this is kind of a perfect gig because you're a teacher and a tour guide, things that I totally love, but you don't have to be dealing with like parents and kids rolling their eyes. <laughs> I asked one of the concierge, like, how do you get into this? Um, when we were on the fam trip, how do you get into this business? And they're like, oh, you know, it's kind of hard, especially in the bigger hotels. Everyone wants to be there. Um, but, you know, you might get lucky someday and have an opening and see what happens. And literally a week later, the head concierge from the biggest hotel in Seattle at the time called and he's like, so we've got a full time position if you're interested in, in applying. And so I sat down the next afternoon with their GM in the hotel lobby and he, he basically offered me the job on the spot. And I'm like, OK, I guess I'm a concierge now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing. And uh, can you tell me what hotel it was? It was at the Westin Seattle. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like 981 yeah. rooms. I mean, we had a line of people nonstop for probably two hours every night looking for dinner recommendations and reservations. So, but it was a blast. It's it's huge in the in the concierge desk. I think now they have two or three people at oh, at, yeah. at all times, and it stays busy. <laughs> it's so much fun. Just the people are outside of their element. They want a trusted source. And so talking with them, asking lots of leading questions, finding like that perfect Seattle experience for them was just exactly what I wanted to do. And I would leave at the end of the day feeling just as stoked as when I got there at the beginning of the day, which says a lot about what it was. And after about two years, a gal from Visit Seattle called me and said that they were looking for someone to head up their concierge desk in their visitor center over at the convention center. So just a couple of blocks away. So. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to make the move, but it had some benefits and things that really I knew would be good for me at that time in my life. And so it's like, okay, yeah, plenty of you. Let's try this out. Same thing. They hired me kind of on the spot. <laughs> and it ended up being even more than being a concierge because being there at a visitor center, you have people from all walks of life, from all over the world. They're calling, they're emailing, they're walking in in person. You've got heads of state, you've got celebrities. Um, but you really have to know the city just as you would a hotel concierge. So it was an absolute blast. And I realized after a couple of years that I was kind of doing all I could do. And I was looking for something a little bit different. I, I loved working for Visit Seattle. I wanted to stay doing that and marketing the city and help tell their story. But I saw what Portland was doing and Twitter had just started. That was like 2009, I think. Um, Twitter was just kind of hitting bigger and uh, they started their Twizzitor Center and I'm like we should do something like that like I want to check this out I had never been on Twitter at the time and I got on it's like okay I just got to figure this out okay like you come up with your your handle it's like okay Seattle Maven I'm an expert yeah. I'm, you know, I'm all about Seattle so I started there and then I kind of pitched the idea to visit Seattle like hey we should be doing something with social media the marketing department was kind of sitting on it trying to decide what they wanted to do they wanted to wait and see like a lot of DMOs we're doing at the time um and so i said well that's okay i'm going to just start doing my thing and if there's a way that we can kind of make this work together that'd be great otherwise you know i'm just going to do it because i love sharing the city so i did for about a year and a half and i'd you know plug in my tweets in the morning with tweetcaster or whatever it was and i you know have them kind of peppering throughout the day and i just found it was one more really cool avenue that i could get that message out but to really a different clientele you know they weren't necessarily the people 
asking a concierge in their hotel or walking up to a visitor center. They were just people like you and me that just wanted to get some insight from someone that was really authentic. And I was that voice for them. So it was really a blast and a great way to just kind of dip my foot into the water. Of, I, I considered it micro blogging at the time because, you know, you had to say what you were going to say in 140 characters, which yeah. is pretty much. <laughs> and it was about that time that I started thinking, okay, you know, people are asking me if I have a blog. I think I'm just going to start this. So on Blogspot back in the day. Oh, my <laughs> God. My views of Seattle and tours, and it was very tourist centric. And then I realized people were asking more because they wanted something that was a little more personal and a little, a little less salesy and a little less, um, uh, just marketing, I guess, is what it comes down to. They wanted to feel like they really knew a person, and so I could custom tailor a little bit more. And it it basically just spun off. And so from that, I uh, I started looking at the Seattle Maven website, and of course, someone else was already kind of sitting on it, but not really doing anything with it. I could see when it was going to expire. So literally the next day, I woke up in the morning. And it's like this is the day. And this I think it started like two years before that I saw this date coming up, and it's like I got to get on that. And I did, and I ported everything over, and it's just kind of been living the dream ever since. I mean, I I love helping people. I love sharing the story of started out Seattle, then it kind of broadened to the Pacific Northwest, then it was Washington State, and so now it's you know it's including Idaho and Montana, and you know taking a trip to Monterey this fall, and it just it's it's fun to see how thirsty people are for that sort of a just a real voice. Absolutely. And so like when, when did you, not the, not the Seattle Maven, but like the, the blogs, like what was the, like when did you, what year was that? Or like, when did your blog go live? I started on the blog 10 years ago. It's weird to think about it. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Oh my God. Too, you know, you start stopping and looking back and going, when was that that I, and yeah, it was 10 years ago. It's really cool to, you know, we do this to share, but having the having the blog to look back at now that you've been tracking your experiences almost having just like an interactive diary which is one of the things that i love so much about my blog going back and looking years but 10 years like yeah absolutely and i think you know you when i moved to seattle in 2013 instagram had not really exploded yet twitter was very much the focus and yelp was a really big focus at the time which we've really seen a major shift from that um now feel like we're dealing with so many, at least in the Seattle and Portland areas, there's so many influencers, which I, I hate that word. I don't like being I do called too. That. <laughs> I'm a photographer. I'm a writer. I, you know, I, I'm so many things. Um, but, you know, you, you have a website and I think that um, it's really, you know, we see so many of the bigger food influencers in Seattle that just have Instagram accounts now. And I think that there is just so much more value that goes in to what, you know, someone like you or me does with that, with that added piece. It just, and I'm looking at your blogs before this, they're incredibly extensive. There's so much information. There's so many photos. I mean, they really are just a, just a massive resource to people. And Oh, I love giving people that taste. You know, if they can get a view of what I see and if there's something within what I've written or taken photos of that resonates with them, that's going to help them sort of figure out that perfect experience for them, then I, I feel like I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I what I came here to do. Absolutely. And so you went on, I mean, you went on to really help visit Seattle just, you know, 
build their social media. I remember, I think I remember when you guys used to put on Twitter, like who was tweeting that day. I, I don't, do you remember that? It would be like, and yeah. today, like it was I, funny because we kind of did a switch over. Um, when I first started tweeting, visit Seattle decided, well, after a year or two, yeah, we really liked that authentic voice and they were kind of pimping me out on their website <laughs> which is awesome because they recognized that people didn't want to hear from the destination. It felt too kind of big business, too markety. They wanted this. But then after a while, you know, you do a little social media um, audit and you really listen to what you're doing and you're stopping to think, okay, as a branded destination marketing organization, are we doing the best thing for us by having someone else telling our story or can we do it better ourselves? And that's when I started heading up our Twitter team at Visit Seattle under the Visit Seattle handle yeah. <laughs> and having a whole team of us that were working on it. I did it myself for a couple of years and then we ended up having a couple of people involved. And again, it was today tweeted by Kristen or whoever it was that was on the team that day. And eventually I was able to hand that off to someone else, which kind of felt like handing off a baby. <laughs> I know. That was, I mean, that was, I mean, that was so important. And like you said, I, 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 I heard you mention Portland a couple of times. I know like you're talking about travel Portland because they have just kicked some serious ass oh, yeah. in the social media world. I think that they're, you know, I think we can both agree a great model for destination marketing, you know, social media. Um, but I mean, Visit Seattle is also doing amazing. And under, you know, you created that, which is, which is so awesome and was so, um, you know, so forward thinking of, uh, of you and, and you're at visit Seattle. How many years are you there? I was there for uh, let's see if I started in 2005 and I left in, gosh, I think I was there 15 years. God, <laughs> Okay. I didn't think about it that long. Wow. I think it was, maybe it was 13. I know it's like <laughs> you do lose track of time and just trying to, you know, assess like, when did I start there? And, and I, I feel like I'm always going to be that person though. You know, I, when you love a destination that much and you want to support them. And of course this year with COVID, you know, is all of that happened. That was, um, that was just crushing for me to see, not just for our city, not just for our country and our planet, but as a destination marketing arm dealing with having a pandemic sort of first pop up in the United States in your city. I, I couldn't imagine what that had to be like for them. And in a way, I was glad that I wasn't there. Having to just, right, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, selfishly. Yeah. But what they've done and how they've done it and the high road that they've taken, I'm so impressed with. Um, it's just been, it's nice to see their evolution and coming back because I think that there was a lot of really bad press and a lot of people that wanted to point fingers and blame and, you know, just wanted to kind of drag everybody down. And it's so nice to see restaurants coming back and the city feeling super vital. And it's, it makes me feel so much better every time I go there. I'm sure like me, you go back yeah, you know, every yeah. couple of months and see the changes. And you remember what it was like that first summer and how the streets were empty and it just, yeah. it wasn't the city that we love. No, no. And especially like, you know, the downtown area, the Pioneer Square area, the Capitol Hill area. And I think, yeah, it's been, it was so hard to watch. And we left in September and, and, and we do, I do go back, you know, every, depending on how busy I am every couple of weeks, every, you know, how, however frequently I have to. And it's been really interesting to see the progression of the, just the progress that they're making, especially in the downtown corridor. And it's, it's finally like, it feels better now. <laughs> like yeah. even, six weeks ago downtown you would 
Ugh. like not not a good place to be and of course we haven't gotten you know to to the end or anything it's a right. it's a bond but it's definitely feeling better like people you know i'm talking to quentin at the state hotel telling me they're you know selling out brunch that they are so busy the you know the hotels are getting booked like it's gonna be a really interesting time to just see how destination marketing goes to in the next year with everything opening up at such just people are so excited and um especially in the hospitality industry i'm sure that hotels are probably short staffed just like restaurants are i'm hearing that you know wineries are short staffed it's 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 hard to find people in the service industry right now and we're also about to be in a boom of travel. Right. <laughs> what, what I noticed when I was in two weekends ago on a, a girlfriend's weekend, we stayed at the state hotel too. And it was the first wedding that they've had since the pandemic hit up on the rooftop, which was just amazing. And it was so fun to see people just feeling a little bit normal. Right. But the amazing part for me was to see this really small cohesive team that they had there all working together i mean there wasn't anything any one of them wouldn't have done for anyone staying at the hotel you know if it was someone in the restaurant if it was someone you know hanging out in the lounge if it was a wedding party if it was me checking in just taking that time and that's where the passion of people in the hospitality industry really shines through absolutely i mean and you are so right. Like I, I, I give them shout outs all the time. They are, their team is as good as it gets. I can name them all Rob, <laughs> Kelly, Quinn and Abigail. I mean, they, they do, they make you feel, I mean, Marcus and I say like, we feel like we're like, home, like it's our second home almost when we go there because they're just, they're so thoughtful. And that is, yeah, that's, that is what the hospitality industry is all about. And it really shines through and right. They're doing it because they love it. Mm -hmm. I think on the last thing that I got from Visit Seattle that was talking about the economic recovery in Seattle, that there's maybe only a handful of hotels that haven't reopened now. And I think they all are slated to open in the next month or maybe even just a couple of weeks, which is great with the cruise industry kind of coming back a little bit. Yeah. Do you know exactly? And I've, I've kept up with it a little bit. They're doing like a limited cruise season in Seattle this year. Yeah, because I... I think they may have already had some. I feel like I was listening to the radio last week and heard someone talking about cruise ships in the port that they're you know, able to now, they adjusted the Jones Act somehow, which was that act that said, if you're traveling across Canadian waters, you have to stop in Canada. So they're not doing that, which actually probably makes the experience even better because it was always sort of a weird timing when you'd pull into, whether it was Vancouver or Victoria, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's Victoria and it's seven o'clock at night and you have to be back yeah. by 11. It's like, oh, huh. So I, I think that for those people going to Alaska, that could could be a better experience. Well, I'm not ready to go hop on a cruise ship myself yet, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not either. And um, just you, cruise cruise ships are not that is not my preferred method of travel. <laughs> I mean, I think I would do an Alaska one just because I feel like it would actually be a good way to see a, such a remote place from the water. But as yeah. as yeah, like you know, European Mediterranean cruises. That's, I want to be on the ground walking around with my backpack. <laughs> I, I think that we're kind of the same that way, but that's, yeah. And just, I mean, talk a little bit about just, you were to visit Seattle, like the cruise industry in Seattle, like it, how much money and tourism dollars does it bring in? Like what, like what a devastating <laughs> thing to, to lose that and to, to have that reduced so much this year. Yeah. And I, you know, I realize it's a massive amount for Seattle, the other massive amount are in those tiny little port cities, you know, the Juno and Ketchikan and Sitkas that are really tiny little populations. And they're, they've gotten to where they, they were used to having those cruise ships coming in. And I mean, that was a livelihood for the last 10 or 15 years. 
I can't even imagine what it's like for them. Um, Seattle recovers and, you know, I think they've shown their resiliency in a lot of different ways and they're certainly showing it again now, but it's, uh, it's some of those other places I think that, that just will continue to struggle. You know, if it's a third of the cruise ships that they had before, that's certainly a step in the right direction. We did do one of those cruises, gosh, I think it was probably seven or eight years ago, only because I wanted to see what the experience was like for the guests, yeah. because we had so many going on those cruises. And you're right, it's super remote. It's amazing to travel on a boat and just look off at the shore and for miles and miles every day, not see a sign of another person. So that was really cool. Get in the hot tub with your glass of wine and, and take in the glaciers and the mountains. See, like, I could see that being really fun. And we did, like, a couple of the, like, abbreviated media, like, yeah. uh, with um i think it was norwegian and they were they were very cool i mean those boats are very very cool it's like being they in are. this badass hotel that's floating on the water so yeah. like I, when i was in had like a go-kart like track on the top of it I just, <laughs> just, what like it's so i mean not to say that it's not fun if that's your if that's your preferred way to travel but it's definitely different there are definitely a lot of people who enjoy it we brought the age curve down a lot i'm pretty sure <laughs> I think one, I like the first weekend in May when we left, and I was the only one sitting in that hot tub with my glass of wine, of course, as we're leaving the port out of Seattle. Just, you know, how much better can it get than you can haul on as much luggage as you want because it's your home port? <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. Right? How... I, I'm telling you, I that that was a cool experience because yeah, we lived downtown when we did it. And you just yeah, roll your suitcase down to the waterfront. I mean, similar experience with the Victoria Clipper, which I am just right. so seeing yeah. those little three-hour boat rides up to up to Canada. I'm hoping I, I don't know what their status is. Obviously, they they do other kinds of tours that I'm sure they're doing you know domestically. But I will be so happy when when we can make that trip up to like Vancouver Island again. Um, that oh would God. be those floodgates when they open to Canada. I could do a whole year's just blogging of travel destinations within driving distance of Seattle. There are so many places that I want to go to, and I, I have to and you and okay, so like leading into that, like you've been, I mean, I, you've been writing a lot lately and doing just a lot of great blogs on regional. You know, we've all adapted, and, and again, you were Pacific Northwest focused, but I think you've just done such a great job of of hitting like those smaller regional towns and 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 sharing that. I mean. There's a million people that want to, you know, we love Seattle, but there's a million people that are going to write about Seattle. So it's really cool when we can, you know, shine a light on on Yakima or, uh, you know, Leavenworth, where you are. Right. Um, and maybe walk us through like what what's one of the your favorite places that you've been lately? I've been I've been trying to keep up with you, but you've been. <laughs> the move a little bit yourself this year has been a lot of fun i i think right as the, the new year hit i realized like this is a year for travel car travel car travel that i can do within a day's drive and with one solitary destination rather than hopping from hotel or whatever to hotel and i've done primarily airbnbs and lodges places that just feel a little safer with more space around me but oh my gosh it's been phenomenal we did a, a four-day trip to Tri-Cities, a place I had done nothing but drive through before. You know, most of the places that I went this year were places that I'd just been for a short period of time before, and I really wanted to dig in and find out what more was there. So Tri-Cities was amazing. I mean, like Walla Walla, so much wine, and so yeah. much great food and crap cocktails. I couldn't believe it. Um, Alderbrook and the Hood Canal, that was, I think, one of my favorite trips, and it was the first one I did on this delicious destination series that I started this year. Yes. Because 
There's so much fantastic seafood up there. We spent the first day up at Hama Hama, you know, loading ourselves up with oysters and crab and, you know, just sitting right on the beach and shucking those. It was, you know, such a quintessential Pacific Northwest experience, but one that I had never spent more than maybe a night or so at. So to have, you know, five days to enjoy that area, to get in and hike, to see these tiny little mom and pop shops and some of those other little towns along the way was super special. Um, the last one that we took was to Mount Rainier. And again, I'd taken so many trips, um, tours to Mount Rainier, some with you know, leading groups and others just kind of going on my own to adventure for a day. But to spend a week in Mount Rainier was unbelievable. I mean, it just changes the level, the depth of understanding of what it's all about to be in that area. You know, sure, it's about the mountain and the snow and the glaciers and the waterfalls and all of those beautiful things. But the communities that were there were just so cool. And of course, loving to eat, <laughs> there was plenty of food and it was such a unique mix of things. I mean, Tibetan food, there was a Ukrainian restaurant and these were people that had immigrated into the area, usually surrounding the Mount Rainier um, world, whether they were guides or you know doing something in that area. So cool to kind of see that. But the locals I found to be like the friendliest people of all. And, you know, some places you can go to small towns and people don't really love the twists. And in a place like Mount Rainier, where you've got cars just funneling through in the summer, I think people get pretty fed up with that. I didn't feel one bit of that. I mean, I had a morning when I woke up and you know me, I love eggs Benedict. And it's like, I'm gonna, <laughs> you I'm gonna find some local eggs here. And so I checked with my host and she put something out to her group locally on Facebook. And she's like, well, I've got like 13 different offers of people that have eggs for you. Do you wanna like go around to each one and then do a little taste testing or something? <laughs> but I mean, did you, did, you, did you taste test them all? I didn't do that. I just went to one place and I was, I was so glad that I did. It was called Bamford Farms. And like, I knew the name of the chickens that my eggs came from and just talking. Oh, no. Like the episode of Portlandia. Like totally. <laughs> yeah. That was like as hyper local as it could get. So it was that part of it that's so surprising to me. Once you spend a little more time in these areas that people want to talk more, that they've seen your face more than once when you've been there and they want to tell their stories and just like being here in Leavenworth, I mean, it's coming back to where I grew up, but I think a lot of people cycle in and out. A lot of the people that work here don't have the chance to really stop and talk. But boy, when you do, when you start making those connections and building those relationships with people, you find all sorts of places you had no idea about. Yeah. Well, and there's so many gems in Washington state. We're so lucky to be in this, in this beautiful, special part of the country. Um, when you guys were at Mount Rainier, did you, did you stay in resorts? Did you camp? What was your, what, wow. It was the coolest thing in the world. The, the folks that visit Rainier, I have to say, they, they work with accommodations in and around Mount Rainier National Park okay. um, on both sides. You know, we went in the Nisqually entrance, which is on the Southwestern side. And the place that we stayed was about two miles just outside of the park and it was called altimeter cabin and it basically was this little like magical oasis um, in the woods it was a little um like a guide cabin for mountain climbers years and years ago i mean the whitakers the people that were some of the first to you know hike up to the very top of mount rainier and to hike everest they actually had stayed and lived in that cabin at some point. So that, I know it was the coolest thing. The gal who was our host was telling us these stories about 
you know, when she came in, people were like, oh, you bought that place. Like everybody knew it because it had been kind of a hangout for all the mountaineering folks. But the really neat part of it was not only was the cabin just beautiful with this little loft and, you know, views of just ancient trees and, and wildlife everywhere, but the grounds were just spectacular. There were little walkways that were lit up with twinkling lights and there were pavilions. They do like tiny little weddings there also. And like, I wish I knew someone that was getting married because for me, it would be like the ultimate 30 person wedding spot. Just so many really great areas to be. We could sit on the back porch at night. We could have a campfire. We could sit in the hot tub. And, you know, a lot of these little cabins that are around Mount Rainier are really similar. They're affordable. If you can find those that aren't on some of those really big uh, short-term rental sites, not to mention anyone. (laughs) (laughs) But it. I, I like going direct with a host whenever I can. And that was the story at Altimeter Cabin. And it's one I would go back in a heartbeat and I'd go back for another week <laughs> just for the experience there. And so did you, you mentioned um, Visit Mount Rainier, the yeah. organization. Did they help you find this place? They did. And it was actually someone that I had worked with years ago when she was at Southside Seattle and I was at Visit Seattle. And then she started working for the Mount Rainier Scenic Railroad and now does PR and marketing for um, Visit Rainier. And so if you go on the Visit Rainier website, they have a little chatbot that comes on and it's her. And she is the most helpful person in the world. So when I first started thinking like, we want to go to Mount Rainier and I think we want to spend like five to seven days, I threw this idea out to her to say, hey, where do you think we should stay? We've got a dog, you know, this and that. She just was all over it and gave great suggestions on other things to see and do, those that had to do with the mountain and those that didn't have anything to do with it. So again, kind of like I am asking those leading questions and finding out, what my experience, what I wanted my experiences to be as much as I could, but then just kind of filling in and giving those ideas at the same time. So the Visit Rainier folks are a total two thumbs up for me. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, for me and and for you, obviously, if I'm going somewhere, like I, I always think about reaching out to the tourism bureau. Even if I'm not writing something, just, I know what a great resource they can be. I'm working on an event in Seattle this week. I needed a touring company to take some individuals up to Taylor shellfish. I couldn't find one. I called Addie at visit Seattle and they, you know, they connected us there. It's, it's a great resource. And I think that that's, you know, I don't think people realize that they have this resource at their fingertips. Um, right. they, they have people like you at visit, you know, at visit Seattle. They have people like your friend at visit Mount Rainier. And what you were saying, you can just go on their website and you can talk to this person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. We're taking a trip to Sandpoint, Idaho, one of those kind of obscure spots. And it's like, God, I've, I've never been there. We actually we were first talking about doing a trip um, kind of in North central Washington state, like, Brewster and Republic and some of these Conconelli, you know, words that people can't even pronounce or spell, but have lived here all their lives. I found there wasn't a whole lot of accommodations there, but we found this cool place at the top of a 60 foot cliff that's designed like a fire lookout on multiple levels. And it's like, so it's finding people that can help you find those places. And that's where, you know, visit Sandpoint came into play and you know you, okay, when are you going there i have to see photos of this <laughs> right at the end of the month my birthday's on the first and we're going up for the three days leading up to that oh that's gonna be but you find the people that know the destination i mean destination marketing is huge but destination knowledge is even bigger than that and thinking back to my time at visit seattle that was one of the things that they really drilled into every person that worked for that organization 
was know your city, get the knowledge, go out and explore. And they encouraged everybody to do that in every way possible, whether it's dining or hiking or exploring in any way. Well, and that is just like invaluable to people to be able to have that as a resource. I I saw an article um, a couple of weeks ago was published about Walla Walla and it was from a, a, a generic food website. And when I say which one, and it was like the 14 places to eat in Walla Walla and they literally had just pretty much taken the website's information and a picture from the their Instagram and and called it a list. And I it made me so mad that I, I wrote it I wrote mine, which I'd been working on for months, put it out, hundreds of photos, restaurants oh, I it was awesome. <laughs> but it's you know, it's just you got to give people being able to talk to someone that that's been there that knows, you know, knows the restaurant owner knows, you know, has stayed there before has spent time there. You know, we all know that, you know, the whale winds is a great restaurant in Seattle. You know, we, we all, we all know we can all, you know, hit the Google button, but it's, there's something to be said about finding these, these little, these little gems and, and yeah, you can do it on your own, but it's a lot easier when you have, (laughs) when you have someone with their feet on the ground, like, like you or me. Um, And I think that, gosh, I know before I really got into doing, you know, kind of what you do with, with, with the travel blogging, I, I don't think I realized that this resource was was out there for for me. Right? Yeah, the more you you learn the story, to me it just it's finding the person that can tell it to you, whether it's the chef or the owner or someone at a DMO that's there marketing that city that knows it so well. It just it changes the experience completely. You know, just like you said, you're looking at somebody's list it probably has never stepped foot in any one of those restaurants. And you can tell because there's there's no passion there. There's no backstory. It's just a list of restaurants. It doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you know who those people are, you know about their lives, you've built relationships with them. When you're able to pass that information on to people, it's that depth that makes it so different and makes the experience of something that I, that's when I always want to get out and just learn more. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like the difference. It's like of almost the difference of going somewhere with a local, you know, like I like when, you know, it's just you get that special insight into the city, to the place that you're traveling. Right. Um, well, cool. So, OK, so that that Sandpoint, Idaho, I like I've heard of it. I can't say it. Is it is it is it in southern northern part of the state? It's northern Idaho. There's lakes. There's a lot of bike trails. I've been doing a lot of biking. So there's just miles and miles of bike trails. Um, great craft craft beer craft uh cocktail you love your beer you love your little is it like an electric bike i see you yeah it's one of those seattle red power bikes oh my gosh i just put on like 1200 miles in nine months that is and four months of snow on the ground it's so much fun though and it's you know the beauty not to do a plug but i will do a plug for rad is grand power bikes are pedal assist if you want it like you can have as much or as little assistance as you want. They have a throttle, which I use like if I'm at a stop and I'm going to go through an intersection just to get through it fast. But we live at the top of a two-mile hill from the little town of Leavenworth right now. And as a kid, when I would ride my bike into town and, you know, go out on trails and stuff, I'd always kind of stop and consider like, oh, don't forget, you've got that big hill on the way home. And I would cut so <laughs> many trips because of it. And now I'm like, hey, let's do another five miles. Let's do another 10 miles because it's not that big of a deal. If I'm totally whooped, I can just, you know, add a little power assist and help me up a little bit more. So, and they're, they're an awesome company. That sounds perfect. I think, I think that might have been the company that was working with Cafe Campania when Daisley was delivering. Oh, 
Yeah, Daisley. Okay. Daisley's got around our like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, been fun like, seeing, you know, shifting a little bit to some of the, the restaurateurs and what they've been doing. I was so happy when I saw him out like with his thousand helmet on, right. on his red power bike, doing deliveries in downtown Seattle. It's like, you rock. He did it for months. Like, I, I mean, he kept it up. And, and for those of you guys that don't know, Cafe Campania is a very classic, uh, popular French restaurant in Pike Place Market, very beloved. I know Anne loves it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and Daisy Gordon is the owner. And um, one of the things they did during COVID was he himself delivered food within one mile of Pike Place on a bike to you if you ordered food. And it was it was amazing. I'm sad to say I never did it. I feel like I missed out. Now they've, they've just reopened, I saw, for, for like indoor and outdoor dining. They were only doing takeout. So, so happy to see that. Yeah, when I was in town for my girls' weekend, we were there three days after they opened for in in a in restaurant dining, and he it was it was almost tear evoking watching him just kind of dancing from table to table and talking with guests, whether they were new to him or people he hadn't seen in ages. But just finally to get to that point where you can open your doors again and do the things that you've wanted to do so much and have been so restricted by. It was, it, of course, it was an amazing brunch on top of everything else. But I think the best part was just watching him and seeing the success, you know, just mm -hmm. seeing how happy he was and how loved he is by his community. I think and with COVID, really that's one of the hardest things is just watching, you know, watching restaurants close that you know you'll never walk into again. And one of the first places I went in downtown after COVID hit, I think it must have been in like August. Um, no, it, it was in September because it was cassoulet season. And to me, you know, it's not fall until I've had Chef Daisley's cassoulet. And I was down there walking through the market with a girlfriend and I ordered online and picked it up and took it home. And it was just a, a box full of love. I mean, you, you it, can't be anything I, I other than that. About it, I remember. I and I know. I mean, I, re I remember you talking about the cassoulet literally every year since I have. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, you talk about. I, I remember, especially last year with the take home, always a champion for Cafe Campania. Um, you got to tell me what did you have for brunch because I don't think they have eggs Benedict there. They don't have eggs Benedict, but they have a French dish, and I won't say its name because I do not speak French. But it's basically. <laughs> Uh, poached eggs in a red wine reduction. And the red wine had um, like a veal sauce. It was really smooth, a little foie gras. It was oh my God. just, it was so absolutely perfect. Ah, I would I would go back and have it again today if I could. <laughs> it, um, you're making me hungry. It sounds amazing. They have, I think they have like a Dungeness crab quiche that I usually get when I go to brunch yeah. that is, delicious but i'm i just love their french onion soup too and just oh. like the, their green salad i mean you can't go wrong there the, the calamari is also right. for um it's, we're gonna need comfort food, but it's french comfort food and it's one of those things that there aren't a lot of great french restaurants in seattle you know lule and cafe campagna are the two that have just always been so solid and so delicious and with chefs with amazing stories that are just really great people yeah and i mean Daisley is really just one of the good ones, you know, contributes a lot to Pike Place Market and the city of Seattle. And so if you're you're in Seattle or you're visiting Seattle, um, you cannot support a better human being or have better food. It's also a Pike Place Market. So it's like literally a win, win, win. Um, so 
How, so you were just in Seattle. So now I'm on the Seattle kick. So you were there for a weekend? Yeah, I was there for a girlfriend weekend with okay. a, my neighbor from Issaquah, who we're, we've been best friends for as long as the two of us have lived in the same neighborhood. So every six months or so, we've taken trips together. We haven't taken one since COVID. We took one right before the shutdown down to San Francisco. So it was fun to get together again, to just kind of hang out, shop, drink a lot, eat a lot. <laughs> yes. I know you love your brown sugar bourbon too. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, so, okay. So if you're there for the weekend, you ate at Cafe Campania. I want to know where else you ate so recently oh, in Seattle and what was good. <laughs> you know, there's a new place that got on my radar about six months ago because I'm still slightly connected with the Concierge Association in Seattle. They invited me to a mixology class online on Zoom. Okay. And the guy doing it um, is the son of the concierge at the Thompson Hotel, Jared. And he just started as a new bar manager at Urban Bitter up on Capitol Hill on Broadway. What's it called? It's called Urban Bitter. Oh, Urban Bitter. Okay, I've, I've, I've seen that, but I don't know what it is. Oh, my gosh. So, number one, they have an incredible cocktail game. I mean, just as good as Canon, I would say. You know, Canon is one of those places that I think is sort of the apex of, of cocktails. Yeah, absolutely that same level. Um, wow. They also have a really plant-forward menu now. And I wasn't there before, so I, don't, I can't really speak to what the menu was like before. But I can say, you know, the things that I found, these smoked yams, um, incredible Brussels sprouts, everything super fresh and chef-driven. I loved what they were doing with that, too. So I've been there twice in a month. <laughs> the first time I was here for something else. And then this time I was like, you know where I want to go back is back to Urban Bitter. Because, you know, you get a taste of something and then you just want to have more of what's on their menu. Mm -hmm. I definitely, definitely love that. The other place that just blew me away is up just a little bit further than Rapport on Broadway, kind of on the north side of Broadway, just before it makes those little curves. It's called Rapport. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that place, it's Seattle's first self-core wine bar. But what? I know. It's I didn't know they had okay. I, I saw them on your, your Instagram or something, but I don't think I realized they were self-core wine. That is very cool. Very cool. But the owner, David Clausen, he had a wine bar in um in London for years. And he's a guy that looks like he's about 16, but he's got to be a lot older than that to have done everything that he's done. <laughs> when he moved to Seattle, he wanted to bring that concept here. And he opened up just about a year ago, I think. Um, it's a beautiful, super airy little space. And again, they, they've got um, a great menu. They had a Dungeness Crab Eggs Benedict on the menu when we were there for brunch <laughs> on Sunday. And you had that, obviously, I can only assume. Of course. So of that's, course. That's, what, that's what was on your Instagram, right? Yeah. That was, it was the, okay. I, that's why yeah, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even know they had wine. I just thought they had it. I just saw the eggs Benedict. And I was yeah, like, that's, oh. yeah, kind of a focus there. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Amazing. And a lot of what their menu is for, um, for breakfast and for brunch and lunch are pretty understated, but they do a, a chef-driven menu that's just one um, multi-course meal each week. And kind of a fun thing, I haven't done that yet, but just based on the Eggs Benny that I had, and it's funny because <laughs> I could go down a whole other Eggs Benedict rabbit hole. You know, a lot of places will have Eggs Benny with hash browns or whatever on the side. I love that they have this super light spring salad with it. And the minute I ate one bite of it, I'm like, 
they've got a garden like on their rooftop or something. Like it was, you know, when you eat greens that are just so fresh. Mm-hmm. And I pulled David over and I'm like, so where are you getting these? And he's like, oh, we're working with a gardener and they plant in the fall for us and they plan to get in the spring. And they're over on the east side. And sure enough, like they have their own garden. It's not on site, but it's so fresh and so delicious. So that, that was a- does make all the difference in the world. Like the, just like fresh local ingredients. I mean, I'm a very believer in, in just simple things just done, right. done well, right? Um, so, okay, I'm, I'm going to Seattle tomorrow. I'm like, do I have time to fit either one of these, right. these spots in? I'm, I'm going to be busy, but I'm going to be in the Capitol Hill, Hill area. So there you go. And then dinner, we had the um, tour of the menu dinner at the state at Ben Harris. That was so much fun. I know that was fantastic. I, Quentin Stewart, their chef is, oh. he's amazing, right? I mean, he's, he's brilliant. Yeah, he really is. And their their cocktail program, Abigail, is, is is so talented, really. I mean, it's and you can probably really speak to this. And I mean, I think the the transition, the evolution of the hotel restaurant, it was yeah. such an almost like shameful thing, you know, to like it, I, it was just like it was an obligatory thing. I shouldn't say shameful. Yeah. It was, uh, restaurants, they the hotels had one because they had to. But now in like the past maybe five years it's we are seeing some of the best restaurants in hotels and it's super cool yeah i I think people are surprised too when they come to seattle that was one thing i can remember even back when i was at the weston was people would ask about dining recommendations and if you mentioned anything about the hotel restaurant it was like no no no, we don't want to do that and then when i moved on to visit seattle and even now that i've been doing blogging myself i'll sometimes recommend restaurants that are in hotels and people are like oh no that's a hotel restaurant and it's like no 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 i think portland does it really well too like yeah. they've got some fantastic restaurants within hotels but you look at the thompson hotel and the nest their bar is just outstanding Absolutely. yeah as yeah. good as it is i mean goldfinch tavern i mean we right? have i mean we have we have so is it is it shaker and spear are they in the hotel as well oh, yeah, they're at the palladium yeah that the palladium that place i had we had an outstanding yeah. meal there i mean i think that seattle's got some damn good um hotel restaurants which has definitely been you know like again five ten years ago we wouldn't be sitting here talking about all these amazing chefs and restaurants and hotels it's well, cool. you think about the Hotel Andra, which had Lola, Tom Douglas's yes. kind of right on the corner, right next door with an adjacent kind of a hallway that connected mm-hmm. the two. I mean, it is. It's it's those things that I think have put Seattle on a culinary map. It's when you can just, you know, crawl out of bed and walk downstairs and get something that's as good as something you'd have to drive, you know, a half an hour for. Yeah. Well, that's I, mean, really, I feel really lucky to, to be in yeah. there. Yeah. That's hard to beat, and God, I'm I'm heartbroken that Lola is is not going to reopen. And those donuts are, I know you had the, the donuts that they did with the mascarpone. On the, I I that was I dream about those, Tom. I think you could have a whole blog, a, a whole podcast just on the things we're going to miss that are never going to be there again. God. You know, I think Kevin Davis and those restaurants, Blue Acre Seafood and Steelhead Diner and Orfeo. And thank goodness he's now. I don't know if you knew this. He's now in the Yakima Canyon at the um the canyon river ranch and canyon river grill he's kind of taken on the, the chef position there he's I, I don't think i've ever seen him happier so maybe not having four or five restaurants under your your watch 
Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, we, you know, we're not like, I mean, we're in the hospitality industry. We are not service industry professionals per se. Um, Marcus, my boyfriend has worked in restaurants most of his life and seeing what is going on right now with the hospitality industry, just all these, you know, people like you're saying, like him, like he was running five restaurants. Well, he, he probably found a better quality of life with his family yeah. getting to move somewhere that was a little slower and working nine to five and not working. Right. He can fish on the Yakima river and it can forage for mushrooms, you know, on the hillsides around there. It's like that he just looks like he's living the dream. So I guess in some ways, some things work out occasionally, but then I think of, even though it's a chain, um, RN 74, that Michael Munia restaurant downtown. Yeah. That they've permanently closed. I'll miss yeah. that. There's some things there that were just. Were out, that place was outstanding. Outstanding wine program. Um, great oh, yeah. service. I do think that I did. I read they're going to put another one of his concepts in there, or am I? I may have. I haven't heard that yet. I may. I may be making that up. Um, someone <laughs> fact check that for us. That, that's listening. Wishful. But it's it's been really interesting to see this shift, and I think that like from what I see online, some people are like, you know, people need to get back to work, but it's like, you know, we're people's people's values have shifted and people's people's yeah. have shifted so it's going to be really interesting really really interesting to see how it how it plays out yeah the progression and you know may, maybe takeout is just the way some folks are going to stay It'll yeah. Be yeah and a lot That's of restaurants i mean are still just you know um chef showed is still just doing takeout at taku there's 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 still quite a number of others though i do i do anticipate a large reopening on uh, where seattle is slated to reopen at 100 percent capacity june 30th but we are the most vaccinated city in the country right yes which is super exciting i mean do you have any thoughts on on that any predictions as far as i mean i feel like seattle is just going to be overwhelmed with tourism and in the next you know it's already getting that way i think that seattle is one of the most resilient cities i mean every every issue there's ever been in the nation whether it was you know um housing crunches and you know downturns of the uh of uh, the stock market all of those things housing prices you know, Seattle will feel a little bump from those, but all the time, they're the ones that are, are climbing right back up the mountain and, and getting right back in the groove again. I just see this as another bump, honestly. I think that there are a lot of other cities that maybe won't fare as well, partly because our vaccination rate is so high. You know, I think that says a lot about the city. Like Chef Daisley was saying, he wasn't going to open until it was the right time, but also that his entire team had to be vaccinated for that to happen. You know, it's people that are really dedicated not just to making great food, but they're also dedicated to the safety and health of their patrons. That goes a long way with me. When yeah. I walk in the door and I see that they're really paying attention and that they're serious about it. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely... I have changed my perspective about some businesses seeing how they have dealt with COVID. And I think especially you're, you know, you're in, you're in Leavenworth, I'm in Walla Walla. It's been a very different experience in a less um, uh, cosmopolitan part yeah. of the state. Um, and business owners have dealt with it differently out here. And there are a few restaurants I won't go into because they did not, did, yeah. they did not, they were supposed to do and yeah and and um yeah so very it'll it'll be interesting to see it as we as we open up i think june 30th is going to be a big day a big a big celebration um but i do i feel i feel very proud of the way uh that seattle handled this it god knows it was not easy <laughs> yeah it's it, 
It is. It, it's. I'm. I'm proud of what our city's done. I'm proud of how they've shown who they really are, and I think that. Um, I think we've got a lot coming down the pike, and I'm going to say the next three months that are going to be happening in Seattle is restaurants are doing one more little kind of pivot and reinvention as they they realize you know sort of the the climate that they're in now. You know, one of one of the restaurants that I really didn't know at all before the pandemic was um, Eric Rivera's uh, Addo. Mm-hmm. We ended up ordering from him multiple, multiple times because he'd have these great pantry boxes. So if you were looking for fresh pasta or if you wanted great sauces or whatever it was, um, you could have it like the next day. That that was one business that I just I want to see them succeed because they've been so good about how they've approached things. Right. Jen with Saber Seattle, even though she's not a restaurant, she supports so many food based businesses. Totally. It was incredible. I mean, and she sold that business. It it, 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 it exploded. Her story is 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 wonderful. And yeah, how many businesses did she help survive by? Getting these 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 market boxes, the Seattle boxes. I mean, they were so popular. She couldn't, you know, they were all selling out. Um, and yeah, and just so grateful. People like that. People like Jack. You know, that oh, yeah. last week feeding. You know, taking that first leap to feeding the hospital workers. And I, I, we talked last week. I was like, where did that idea come from? Well, my fiance is a is a is a nurse is a is a doctor is a oh. is a doctor at Swedish. And one day I brought her tacos, and and other people were hungry. <laughs> And, and that's how that happened, you know, but just people with, with big hearts that, that yeah. you know, and, and it's been, those have been the really, the really great things to come. Yeah, those are the best stories. When you see your city rise up together, it just, it, it feels so good. And even from afar, from a hundred miles to the East being over here and sort of watching it for part of the time. Um, I've been so proud just of so many people and how they've stepped up to make things good as, as much as they possibly could in the worst times I think that any of us have ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, gosh, Ann, this has been just so interesting and so much fun talking to you. I want to wrap up here in a minute, but I want to ask you, you don't have to answer this, but what, what is the best eggs Benedict in Seattle? <laughs> or, or can you name a few that you like? I won't, I won't make you oh, yeah. unless you want to. No, I could definitely name a few that I like. I mean, one of them is at Sea Town at Tom Douglas's restaurant on the north end of the Pike Place Market. Just a stellar Dungeness crab eggs Benedict. Um, the other that just would be on the very top of my list is uh, Chef Thierry at Lule. Oh, that, okay. I didn't oh think they had an eggs Benedict there. Yeah, I hope they still do. But okay. just spectacular. You know, for me, it's all about that silky, lemony hollandaise. It has to be made in-house. If it's coming out of a can or a, or a pouch, <laughs> I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And, and I always kind of find out, I do a little intel before I go anywhere new to find out, like, is this really something I'm going to want to have? Because I won't go if that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I'm putting, I'm definitely putting both of those on my list. Any others? I mean, I know you said, um, Rapport also. Oh, Rapport is fantastic. I don't think they have it on their menu all the time, but it just, it was kismet that that was going on when I was there. I knew you were coming, the eggs Benedict. Like I, I, have you been to Denver by the way? Because I'm taking my dad there next week and he loves eggs Benedict and I'm, I need to. I'm going to be taking notes from your trip there then. Cause that, oh my gosh. Yeah. Exciting to to be able to travel a little bit. And I think like you said, it's like, you know, the, the rest of the year is going to be a lot of, um, you know, car traveling and, and domestic traveling. I mean, you know, I'm, I've been 
fully vaccinated for, for several months now and am comfortable with, you know, flying the limited amounts that I have to, if it's to see my family or, you know, work related, I'm not ready to get on a plane and go to Europe just yet. I mean, I'm, I want to, I'm excited. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I think it'll still be a little more regional uh, and like domestic for me. Where do you, I mean, I know you've got this trip to Idaho coming up. Is there anything else fun that we can look for this year or just like, where do you see yourself exploring? I think you said you're kind of doing the car traveling thing this year too. Yeah. And car travel has been great. You know, good thing I get along well with my husband and my dog <laughs> a lot of time with these folks when you're taking a big car trip um i did upgrade to a bigger car this year too so it's kind of like a living room on wheels it's uh there you it's go super ascent which is just massive but it's oh. such a comfortable traveling car so we're doing a trip in september where we're going um to uh oh, let me get this all straight to superior montana where we're doing a couple of days of a guided fly fishing. We're going to go to Bozeman, Montana. We're going to go into the Tetons for four days with more fly fishing. We're going to drop down into Ketchum, Idaho, and then work our way back up. In fact, we might even go through Walla Walla on the way back on that trip. I was going to say, when are you coming to Walla Walla? Because no, I, that. <laughs> I did not see you here. So I, I started planning a trip. Oh, what was that? Have you been to Walla Walla before? You know, again, it was one of those places where I spent like a day. So, yeah, to we get back, it's it's definitely coming alive. And there's, I've lost count over 150, close to 200 wineries here. And it's very, I mean, it's very, it's it's like a small Napa almost. You know, it's very yeah. wine country, but it's not as pretentious either. I think it's a big agricultural area, so it's just. I know you will love it, and I will. I will be here to take you for the best eggs Benedict when you oh, do. Best come. tour guide in the city. <laughs> yes, and I want to take you to Roti Cellars too, which you know that I'm. I'm oh working. yeah. And I, I know you've been. We've been interacting on social media, so I, I've got you. You let me know when you're coming. You should definitely oh, yeah. pack it on or do a trip, but. You this place you will you will love all wall. It will be right up Seattle Maven Alley. <laughs> <laughs> I live vicariously through your posts and your your tweets and your Instagram. Yeah. It's I mean, same here. Absolutely. I mean, same here. I feel like you know we don't like. I know we're like we don't really talk that much when we got on the 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 podcast today. But it's like I feel like I know what you're doing almost every day. So that's. <laughs> I think that's one of the cool things about social media. And sometimes I hate it, but like. For the most part, there's a lot of positive things and a lot of connection. And definitely we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for social right. media. And just so cool to get to foster that relationship. And now, again, having read your blog from the, the first time, like when I first moved to Seattle, to, to being able to have this conversation with you now and, and talk about everything that you've done is just, it was such a treat and I just super appreciate you you doing the podcast and um give a little shout out tell us where we can find you I mean everyone knows you're see at Seattle Maven on Twitter on everything Seattlemaven.com I I did the I did the plug for you if you're looking for really great information on Pacific Northwest travel from a local from someone that's been there check out Ann's Instagram check out her Twitter check out her extremely well-written blog um and thank you so much for taking the time to be here today I can't believe it's been almost an hour this was so much fun <laughs> right on thanks so much for having me on Stephanie it's a it's a treat to see you again it just makes everything feel a little bit normal you're doing a fantastic job and it's always fun to watch where you're going and what you're doing and i just couldn't support the podcast more it's fun to really get more of this story and in a really vibrant way of doing it 
Well, I super appreciate that and um, just appreciate having you on and can't, you know, can't wait to see where this goes and where you're going next. And I can't wait to see you here in Walla Walla. Hopefully we'll get to have like a glass of wine or a glass of bourbon um, either here or in in Seattle. Definitely now things are coming alive. So I hope to see you in person soon. And thank you so much for doing the podcast. And this was so fun. My pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Um, And that's a wrap. Episode nine of the Eat, Drink, Travel Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.